Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, I believe this is definitely a case where we're biting off more than we can chew. An infant amount that we can chew. And maybe you guys can listen to. I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah, because uh, we are taking two episodes to discuss infinity. But uh, only two. Only two episodes. Not an infinite amount. Right. We're taking a finite number of episodes, and each episode is, uh, you know, consists of a finite uh, number of minutes. There only there's only so much time and energy we can throw at the topic, and the topic is the the infinite, the boundless, uh, the the pretty much one of the biggest, most mind staggering concepts you could attempt to try and comprehend. So. You're going to get lost along the way. We're going to get lost along the way. And, and hopefully we will not all remain lost for an infinite amount of time and just completely lose our minds. But Yeah, and full disclosure, at some point I'm going to have the math sweats. <laughs> but, you know, we're all going to wade into the, the deep end of the pool together, the deep end of the philosophical pool, the mm-hmm. theological pool, the mathematical pool, the, the, the physical pool. Uh, we're all going to go together, and hopefully none of us will sink beneath the waters. Infinitely. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's get our hands and our minds around the concept of infinity because we use it all the time, or at least my kid does. When she's really excited about something, she'll say, infinity plus one. I (laughs) I totally want to go to Chuck E. Cheese, which is its own infinite hell. Um, But again, it's we find this uh, parlance, um, a way to try to describe something that feels like it's going to go on forever and ever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also another... Big pop culture mention of this, though, that our producer Noel just pointed out mm-hmm. uh, to Infinity and Beyond, Toy Story movies, which on one level kind of sounds like ridiculous, but actually <laughs> is, is is kind of key to some of the discussions we're going to have about the nature of Infinity, um, so, uh, which is kind of clever in its own way. But uh, but indeed, Infinity is this thing that we kind of pick up on even at an early age, mm-hmm. uh, even if we're not giving it a lot of serious consideration. Um for, for your part, what was what was your earliest interaction with infinity? Your earliest even attempt to to utilize infinity as a concept or to think about it? Or I think just uh, when I was considering the universe mm-hmm. and the the place that I had on Earth and then Earth's place out there, and so that was the first sort of inkling of like, wow, things might go on forever and ever and ever. What about you? Uh, I definitely remember. The idea of a never-ending pit being the thing that came to my mind. I think this came out of like playing with Masters of the Universe action figures mm-hmm. or watching a He-Man cartoon and somehow getting the idea that, you know, you would have, not only would you have these action figures fighting on the edge of a cliff, which would probably be the back of a couch, but that this would be a cliff above a, just an endless chasm that they would, if they start, you started falling, you would just never reach the bottom. And, uh, and so we would, when we would play basically the floor is lava, our version was the floor is a never ending pit. Oh, yeah. that really amps up the, the, uh, oh, sorry, let me try that again. Oh, that really ups the ante there. Yeah. And, and so I would, I would think, I remember thinking about the concept sometimes because then you, you have to ask yourself, well, if this is a never ending pit, what does that mean? Are there walls to this pit? Do the walls go on, uh, ad infinitum? And, uh, and, and if so, where is this pit? Where are the walls? Where is the universe? So you, you do kind of go down the wormhole a little bit in even trying to, to figure out 
the the rules of this uh, fantastic uh, childhood concept. You know what I love about this is that the band, the Handsome Family, has oh, a yes. song about a never-ending pit. A bottomless pit, A yeah. bottomless pit in this guy's backyard, and he's obsessed with it. And it's, uh, it's of course, depressing and beautiful. Uh, but it deals with that same sort of concept of just the, the never-ending fall. Yeah. I believe in the song, his... Uh his, his wife lowers him down in like a bathtub or something on a mm-hmm. rope, and eventually the rope gives way, and he's just endlessly falling down through this hole. That's what I love about that band, too. You know yeah. it was a clawfoot tub. Yeah, of yeah. course. You know, you want to go down in style. Sure. All right, uh, perhaps we should talk about what infinity is not, because we've got that sort of simple idea of it's going on and on forever and ever. Right. Infinity is not a real number. We can't say, you know, it's this number of things. There's an infinite number of things. We can say an infinite amount because we don't know specific, specifically what that number would ever be. Yeah, there's no there's no number that we can say is infinity. We just have the, the symbol for infinity, which, of course, is a, essentially an eight on its side. And you can think of as a little, little like childhood train track that circles back in on itself. Yeah, it's actually called a lemnisket, and John Wallace began using the symbol for infinity in 1655. Um, now, infinity cannot be measured, of course, which also ties into it not being a real number. It's not something that's growing. It's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It just is. Okay, yeah, so it's it's not a situation of the bottomless pit, the endless pit, the never-ending pit actually getting deeper and deeper. It just mm-hmm. is eternally deeper deeper. deep. Yeah. right. Yeah. And infinity comes from that Latin word infinitus, which means unboundedness, which is a good way to look at that that pit. It is not bound to anything physically. It's just going on for an infinity. Now, the reason why this is an important concept is because it really flavors different fields of study like mathematics and physics and philosophy. And today we're going to focus more on philosophy because I think this is really at the heart of the matter for humans, of course. Right. It's pretty much the yeah, the underpinnings, you know, because once you get into the mathematics and the, and the physics, uh, it, you're, it's kind of the, the tip of the spear. And, uh, and philosophy is kind of the, the shaft. Mm-hmm. And also having the, uh, the, the, the philosophy, uh, in mind really helps you better grasp the, the mathematics and, uh, and physics of the issue. Yeah, there's a, an article by George Dvorsky writing for io9, and he talks about why infinity is such an interesting and, and, and meaty concept. And he says, quote, as every chess player knows, each piece is assigned a numerical value according to its tactical importance and strength. These values range from one, pawns, mm-hmm. to nine, the queen, and are often used to keep a kind of score as the game progresses. But he says the king is assigned infinite value. And for a very good reason. He says, losing the king is fatal. It's instant game over, regardless of whatever else might be happening in the match. The king's worth, therefore, cannot be bound within a finite set of values. And he goes on to say, therein lies another kind of infinity, death. Right? Ah. Because if the king gets knocked out, as he says, it's game over. And he says, assuming that nothing awaits us in the afterlife, the termination of our lives represents a kind of eternity. It's an eternity of nothingness, but an eternity nonetheless. Indeed. I mean, in, infinity is often a, a concept in uh, in religions and worldviews. And, and, and you go back to our episode on the problem of mortality. I mean, that's that the key to that is our struggling with the whole question. You know, well, what, what does it mean that we're not infinite? We're finite. And maybe mm-hmm. could we become infinite? And is there anything about us or humanity or the universe that is infinite? And chess is also such an interesting concept because another uh, interplay between chess 
and infinity is of course that there are a there are a finite number of chess games start to finish mm-hmm. when you start thinking about all right i could move this uh this pawn and then uh, my opponent could move this pawn and then all the moves that could that could go you know that could transcend from the, from that point there there's a finite number of chess games that exist uh and it's beyond our human ability to to comprehend them all but but there is a limit. If you look, if you were to look at a, a map of the universe of, of chess mm-hmm. from an impossibly high level to where you could see it all, you could see uh, the, the collection. Here are the chess games, all the chess games that are possible. Yeah, and that's it's such an elegant metaphor for us grappling with a concept, and you can really see why philosophers get bound up in the idea of infinity because the idea is if a, if you could solve infinity, you could solve meaning, and if you solve meaning. You could maybe solve death, or maybe you could even prove the existence of God for some philosophers. Yes. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some of the the notable uh, philosophers and thinkers throughout the ages that uh, have taken their minds and tried to contain within it infinity. All right, we're back, and uh, we're discussing infinity. We're discussing uh, the history of infinity and the way that various uh, great thinkers throughout the ages have uh, have tackled the topic. And I actually got to hear Philip Clayton, a theologian and philosopher, uh, discuss this at the World Science Festival a few years back. Uh, and he, in, in fact, highlighted several of these individuals who we're going to discuss right here. Um, a good starting point is to go back to the 5th, 5th century BCE to the philosopher Zeno of Elia. Uh, now, he introduced the concept uh, in the West of infinity, playing on an earlier idea of the boundless by Anaximander, uh, which uh, you have to think think about this. Put yourself in the, the mindset of the, the ancient Greeks, you know, who are big on architecture and mm-hmm. figuring out the form of, of things. And here's the scary concept of the boundless, of the infinite. And so Zeno uh, came up with several different paradoxes, Zeno's paradoxes, including Achilles and the tortoise, uh, which is an interesting little thought experiment that uh, if you if you really focus on it too much, it means that that movement isn't really possible. Uh, it gets kind of crazy. But the basic idea here is that if a tortoise has a head start in a race against the mythic Achilles, then Achilles can never actually catch up to the tortoise. It's going to take the Achilles a certain amount of time to reach the point where the tortoise stopped. And then you have all these different increments in the uh, the shrinking uh, space between the two. Uh, and so it means that something finite can be divided an infinite number of times. And I've seen it pointed out that uh, that if you uh, if you have a mortgage or any kind of uh, uh, arrangement <laughs> with a bank on a loan, <laughs> then you can see mortgage. that that's possible, right? Because yeah. it seems like they find a way to take a finite amount of money and make uh, paying it back last forever. What I like about this thought experiment is that it really illustrates this concept of infinite continuum, this continuum that goes on and on forever and ever, even though you have these little finite parts of it, that that tortoise and Achilles are forever divided by a certain space of time. To move on to another notable Greek thinker, uh, there's, of course, Pythagoras, uh, Greek philosopher, mathematician, invented the notion of mathematics, that which can be learned. And he said uh, that each integer has its own spiritual meaning. Most notably, he launched uh, the Pythagorean theorem. Uh, just to, to run through that one again, he said the square of a, bi- of a hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares of the other two sides. If you plug some ones in there uh, and the square root of two requires infinite digits with no repeating patterns, 
you can see infinity popping up, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we've all encountered that in in, uh, in our even basic mathematics classrooms. You have that number, and it has a remainder that just that repeats forever, and you just have to give up on it after a while because the human mind can only deal with so much. So there you have this infinite continuum. The basis of that with Zeno. Mm-hmm. With Pythagoras, you have infinite digits just going on and on, uh, no repeating pattern. And then you have the Jain religion, the Mahariva, 2,400 years ago, mm-hmm. who begin to look at the infinite and, and parse it in terms of different types. And they're coming up with the concepts of an infinite length, an infinite volume, the concept of enumerable as represented by N. And now we have even more building blocks of conceiving of infinity, again, within the field of mathematics, even though these are philosophers essentially grappling with grappling with the idea of infinity. Yeah. And in fact, different infinities. And that's where things start getting really weird when you start realizing there's not just the one infinity. There are different takes on infinity. Um, this leads us to Aristotle, of course. Everything seems to come back around to Aristotle when you start talking about um, uh, history of thought, especially in Western traditions. Um, and uh, he found that with with actual infinities, Physics doesn't work that well, and we'll discuss more about this uh, later. But uh, Aristotle said that there exists no actual infinities in the physical world, so he banished them to more or less the, the realm of forms. Uh, and you can count, and the basis here is you can count as long as you want, You can, but you experience finite results in a finite lifetime. You can divide all day, but you're going to run out of time. So you see this division between uh, between. So even though we're talking about infinity, we're, of course, finite minds and finite bodies and finite world. Yeah, and this he describes as the notion of potential infinity. And I like this because it kind of it's almost like straddling a fence between does infinity exist and does infinity not exist? It's kind of saying there's a potential for infinity. In other words, if you have a line mathematics that goes on and on and on forever, Mm -hmm. it exists there. But in the physical world, you have a finite line. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of being in a Sunday school class when I was a, a kid, and and uh, I was always one of the, the problematic Sunday school kids who would want to ask about the really difficult stuff mm-hmm. and uh, or the really crazy stuff. So I would always ask about the Book of Revelation, and I remember this uh, one Sunday school teacher. He would always just say, "I oh, don't worry about that. Just don't even don't even, just forget about all that stuff because that only worry about the stuff that directly relates to your life and all because that's just a bunch of you know because there's dragons and stuff right it's the end of times it's codes and all and so you see a bit of that in this uh, separation between the uh between uh you know infinities and the finite right because we are finite and uh, the infinity is ultimately beyond us all right uh, another person who is exploring this notion is 13th century theologian Thomas Aquinas we've talked about him before too Yes, and he was uh, very much uh, focused on the quality of existence rather than the quantity, and it, at least as far as infinity is concerned. So he was saying that God uh, is infinite in quality more so than in quantity. So he sees it more as a, a mode of existence, and uh, he identified a separation between mathematical infinity and religious infinity. So we see a curious principle emerge out of uh, Aquinas's uh, thinking here. Even an infinite God cannot create an infinite object. So think about that. Yeah. Now you have Nicholas of Cusa in the 15th century. He's a philosopher who says everything is included in the infinite. Heresy. Heresy. That's the reaction from the crowd in the the 15th century. Uh, So therefore, with this model, you would have the world itself um, being inside God. And he used mathematical examples to describe this God 
world model. And the crux really is that God is the circle whose center is everywhere and the circumference is therefore nowhere. And this is called a coincidence of opposites because now you have humans, the the animals that stand at the boundary between the eternal and the finite. And here's an interesting one. This comes from uh, the 17th century Jewish philosopher Baruch Spinoza. He was actually kicked out of the synagogue for allegedly arguing that God has a body. This is where we see metaphysics meeting geometry. He said, if God is infinite, then God is the one substance. And the substance must have infinite attributes, and we must all be modes of the one. Which all sounds kind of nice and if you feel goodery. I don't see why they had to kick him out. It's very Gaia-esque, right? Yeah. So, uh, so in this, God is not the personal God. Uh, God and nature are one. The highest ethic is to live in accordance with the laws of nature, and in doing so, be a part of the infinite. So what I, what people were really disgusted by, you know, then, which is, oh, how terrible to live one with nature, is that we're, you know, he's, they're talking about a God that is, you know, amorphous and infinite and almost unknowable except by nature. And to say that nature might be greater than man at mm-hmm. that point, obviously would be sort of like, what are you talking about? We're trying to get away from our animal selves. And you're saying that this God uh, has a body in the form of everything. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he's he's saying, you know, God is boundless. God is, you know, ultimately not something you can know. You can't contain God. And uh, and really, that's what religion is all about: containing God, uh, shackling God, creating narrow definitions for what God is and what God wants. Yeah, little but, God cages. Yeah, that's my my take anyway. All over. What I really like about Spinoza is that he wrote ethics in the guise of geometry. So he's calling out himself. <laughs> I'm pretty much saying I intend to to put this in the guise of geometry, but I'm saying some pretty radical things for the time. All right, well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where this leads us in the uh, the pool of the infinite and where we hope to move on to in the next episode. All right, we are back, and uh, hopefully we have laid the groundwork for infinity, what it's not, and maybe inching toward a concept of what it is. Um, you know, the question comes up, does infinity exist? Mm-hmm. Is it like that perfect circle that we've talked about before? Is it something that, that only exists within mathematics? Does it exist within mathematics? It kind of goes a step even further than that. Which is why the next episode is going to deal heavily with this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because then we kind of get into those questions that we've grappled with before or we've mud wrestled with. Maybe that's a better yeah. way to describe it. Is math intrinsic or extrinsic to humans? And then that brings up the question about infinity itself. Do we exist within infinity? Can you exist outside of it? Which brings up the question of time. Yeah. Existing in and out of time. So all of these concepts are bound up with one another, and it's uh, some good territory to uh, chew over. Yeah, like another big one is uh, when is infinity an acceptable answer to a question? Because if, uh, if I were to ask my son how many cashews would you like, and he was to say infinite cashews, that would be a problem because I do not yeah. have infinite cashews and he cannot eat infinite cashews. I don't think you should have more than four, to be honest. There is a thought experiment there, my friend. Um, but I think, yeah, what this all gets down to is that complete knowledge is impossible. Yeah. We talked about this and the all except for Chuck Norris, who has counted to infinity. 
twice. Oh, has he? Mm-hmm. Oh. And do do check out the next episode because we do have some really great uh, thought experiments in there, mm-hmm. uh, including the Infinite Hotel. Yeah. You get to choose the point during the podcast when you go mad. We're not going to tell you yeah. when to lose your mind. Uh, hey, in the meantime, make sure you go to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's where you'll find all the podcast episodes. And particularly on, on this one in recent episodes, I'm, you know, I'm trying to include links to uh, other uh, topics that we've covered, be it in blog form, video form, etc., that are related, as well as links out to some important resources related to the podcast that you are listening to. And if you have any um, infinite ideas that you want to express in a finite number of characters, you can do that by sending us an email at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.